everyone, my name is Caleb Walgren, and you were listening to Season 3, Episode 158 of Brody Sports Talk, where we are going to recap last season for the Indianapolis Colts. By we, I mean myself, and I am joined by my co-host, who might find a, a lucky horseshoe every now and then, Derek Resnick. Derek, how are you doing, man? Oh, I'm amazing. We get to talk about my favorite player in the league, Quentin Nelson, um, and how good that these Colts are at running the ball. Check it off the Brody Bingo cards. (laughs) Offensive lineman mentioned. So uh, we we do love uh, big guy touchdowns, but we also love seeing them just do well at their jobs as well. And pushing people around is something Quentin Nelson can do all the time. Uh, I actually am going to get started on the other side of the ball, though. And uh, the first topic that I had to address was the takeaway thieves. And there's really one player especially that I needed to highlight in this. And that is the, the big man in the middle of the defense himself. Not not the biggest man, but uh, a bigger man in Darius Leonard. Uh, he is not a small linebacker. He's 6'2", 230. And this past year, he had four interceptions, which was up close to his career high after not having any in 2020. And then he forced eight fumbles. Eight I don't know any other way to emphasize that he has forced that many fumbles except for saying eight a lot. Uh, He did recover three as well. Uh, No defensive touchdowns for him this year, but anytime I can sit here and talk about the fact that someone has literally forced eight fumbles, like there are other people on the team forced fumbles, Kenny Moore, one, George Odom, one (laughs) like everyone no one else hit the eight that Darius Leonard did so that's up to 12 potential takeaways that he was responsible for and if you look at the the team and some of the areas that they have struggled which Derek will get to in a minute and wonder how they were able to do so well uh Darius Leonard is is who you have to thank or not thank depending on if you like the team uh, about how they were able to stay in games because he was just out there messing stuff up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on that as well. Darius Leonard is one of my favorite players to watch on a team that's not the Denver Broncos uh, because it's so much fun to like for for those fourth fumbles for. You never know what's going to happen when in that division. So they are a a certain type of team uh, out there: the Colts, the Titans, uh, and, and the Texans, and the and the well Jaguars as as well. So they all kind of play a, a a style. And just to see a wrecker in the middle is uh, is quite fun. So I'm going to 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 boost the takeaway thieves and really really enjoy. Um, enjoyed the, the defensive side of the the football. They've been good on the defensive side the last uh, couple of years, and so it's it's great to to see that. 
Um, let's move over to the offensive side of the of the football, and let's talk about the QB talent with the Indianapolis Colts. So, as we we all know, we all see Carson Wentz is the starting quarterback last year for the Indianapolis Colts. Came over from the the Eagles in a trade, um, and the Eagles look like masters right now. Um, Carson Wentz was playing down uh, when the the Eagles and they thought he was just need the new scenery. Turns out he wasn't the he wasn't the guy to get them to the promised land. Um, yeah, they won nine, nine games last year. They had a winning record, um, but just couldn't get at the end of the season when you need them the most. He just wasn't good. Um, he uh, had a 62 percent completion percentage, uh, 3,500 yards. Uh, a 27 to seven uh, touchdown to interception ratio, generally pretty good. But that being said, it was big moments. Uh, a lot of times it was it was cleanup time when he really put up his stats and and was putting up the touchdowns. Um, I wish I knew how to get what Carson Wentz needs. Because at one point in time, he was an MVP candidate when he's with the Eagles. And he shows flashes of that still. He shows that he can he can get the ball up and down the field. But then there's times that he just makes boneheaded plays. So at this point, um, he is the, the 10th highest paid uh, quarterback next year with a with $28 million. Um on his contract after after this uh, this next year, he'll be uh, he, they can he'll have no dead cap space, so they can cut him if they want to without in taking any any cap hit. If you look at the players that are are due money uh, next year, Matt Ryan at forty eight million, Aaron Rodgers right now at forty six, he'll probably get a bump uh, to fifty million or more. Kirk Cousins at forty five. Um, Ryan Tannehill, 38. You, you look at 28 and you're like, okay, that's probably a bargain for uh, for what you're getting. But you look down just a little bit further at like 11, 12, and 13. So 11 is Jimmy Garoppolo at 26. Uh, 12 is Lamar Jackson at 23. And number 13 is Super Bowl winning quarterback Matthew Stafford at 23. Um, he's made a bunch of money, so probably doesn't need as much. But um, you look at, at the production production per dollar, let's say, and Carson Wentz just not giving it to you. So I think the, the Colts stick with him one more year. Let's see what happens. And the uh, 2023 draft looks better. Um, but uh, they're going to have to find figure something out. Because uh, I don't, I don't know if Carson Wentz is the quarterback of the future. I mean, it's very difficult to really get a finger on the pulse of what Carson Wentz meant to this team this year, because you look at things that you would, you know, traditionally look at and go, twenty-seven touchdowns and only seven interceptions. That's not bad. You know, passer rating of ninety-four. Uh, QBR does fairly well saying that he was at 54.7. He was, they weren't asking him to do much. Uh, 
the key to remember around all of this is that he had all of the craziness of Jonathan Taylor pretty much being in the MVP consideration until the final two weeks because of how much he was carrying the load for this team. Um, even 3,500 passing yards. I mean, when you look at that, that's about 200 passing yards a game. Like, you're not passing very much or very far to get 200 passing yards a game. Yeah. So I think that that says most of what we need to know about Carson Wentz. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, go and let's talk about the best moment of the year and the worst moment of the year for these Indianapolis Colts. So I'm going to start with a highlight. And that is going back to November 21st, 2021 in a city known as Buffalo, New York, where they went to Buffalo. I thought that it would be a, a good close game. I was really curious how it was going to go. Uh, I, what I didn't realize was that this was the Jonathan Taylor showcase. Uh, you might forget that Josh Allen literally threw two touchdown passes to Stefan Diggs in this game because no one cared because Jonathan Taylor had four rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown in the 41 to 15 shellacking that the Colts put on the bills as the bills were doing that thing where they kind of kept going back and forth. Like, are they good? Are they not good? And at this point it was, it felt very definite. Okay. Well, the Colts are good and the bills are not. Well, that might have been misleading, but that's definitely how it felt on that day. And what was a very topsy turvy season in the NFL. Uh, also speaking as someone who had Jonathan Taylor as a fantasy running back in a couple of leagues, unforgettable moment, best moment for me. I think it was also the best moment for the Colts. Uh, Derek, any, anything that you want to have, or did you have a different one? So my, uh, I kind of, I kind of copped out on this one uh, because I said the best moment for, uh, for this was any time that Jonathan Taylor touched the ball. Um, I want to take you back real quick as to look over. So the first couple of games, Jonathan Taylor had uh, the Seattle uh, Rams and the, the, so the Seahawks, the Rams and the Titans, he had like around 50, 60 yards. And then Miami comes along, goes above a hundred and then plays Baltimore. He's down in 53. Well, after that Baltimore game, he goes 145, 107, dips down on Tennessee to 70, but then jumps up to 172, 116, 185. And even in that Houston game at 143, um, just, you know, above 100, and not just like barely getting like the 105 range, but like 172, 185, stuff like that. Any, he was just electric and a reason to watch the Colts last year. So I'm going to say any time that Jonathan Taylor touched the ball um, was a, a best moment for the Colts last year. I can't really disagree with you there. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, like we said, MVP type season. Uh, 
people who saw him wanted him to get more touches, even though his touches were Derrick Henry-esque late in the year. Yeah. Uh, finished with uh, 332 carries and 40 receptions. So 372 total touches for Taylor. Uh, for me, my low point of the year is in the final game of the season, the Colts have a win and you're in against one of the worst teams in football to that point. Yeah. The Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, they were two and 14 coming into the contest. The urban Meyer had already gotten fired. Their fans were showing up to the stadium dressed as clowns because they were saying how the organization was being a bunch of clowns and possibly keeping Trent bulky, which they have. I want to see if the clowns come back in 2022. It's one of my big off season stories. I need to get to the bottom of, but it, it was a bad game. Uh, the Jags got up early and often on the Colts, but my low point, you know, things hadn't really gotten out of hand. But in the third quarter, when they were down 16 to three, midway through, the Jags had punted it. They, you know, the Colts had the ball within really relatively good field position and went through it and it was picked off. Uh, the Jags would end up going from there and with a, a heavy dose of Reichwell Armstead and Marvin Jones get a touchdown to really put that game even further away. I mean, 16 to three to 23 to three, it, it really is a, a, a bit of a nail in the, the coffin and that happened with 3.08 left in the game. And there just wasn't enough time to rely on your running back when you're down 20 late in the third. And that's where we saw, I mean, that the, they just didn't have enough. Uh, any any comments on that worst moment? Or did you have anything different there? Uh, no. I hope you did I, not I, say any time Carson went such the ball. No, no, no. It's 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 it right there. So last game of the season, uh, I mean, ten and seven looks a lot different than nine and eight. Uh, I think your your entire season outlook changes if you can win that game. One, you get into the playoffs. Anytime that you're a playoff team, it changes the way that your your team is thought of. You have to win the last game of the season. Um, it just I know half the teams, only half the teams can do it, but it's against a team that's going to get the number one seed. You're playing for the playoffs. You're right. Worst moment, because it wasn't a last second field goal that beat them. It was the Jaguars just beat the snot out of them. Absolutely. And that's that's really it for us here on this Indianapolis Colts season recap. If you like what you hear, please make sure you subscribe so that you can hear us talk about the other 32 teams. We always try to make sure everyone gets included. And uh, you feel free to go back and catch some of the other episodes as well, as this is the seventh of the 2022 season recaps. So uh, also give us a shout on Twitter at Brody Talk. We always love knowing that you are listening to us. And feel free to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts as well. On behalf of Derek, I am Caleb Walgren. 
We are signing out. Y'all have a good one. Bye. Bye, guys.